This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. You guys ever walk into an establishment with someone who refuses to have their back to the door? You ever gone to lunch or maybe grabbed a coffee with that guy? Maybe former law enforcement, CIA, FBI? I was going to say, you're hanging with mobsters? Uh, Whether it's a brother-in-law of mine, whether uh, certain other buddies of mine I grew up with who are now in law enforcement. There's so many guys that I've gone out to lunch or coffee with and they're like, no, 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 no. Let me sit there. I want full view of the front door of this establishment. Well, that's me right now. Somebody give me your seat over there, uh, Felipe, because I need to have full view because if the Turk comes through there, I mean, talk about keeping your head on a swivel. Tis the season for the final cuts to come down, and they are hot off the presses, and you never know who's next at this point. Paul Calvisi here, at least for now. Darren Urban there. Felipe Corral Jr. over on the other side of this table with the best view of the doorway. Why is my back to the door frame? I should I should have planned this out a little bit better, Felipe. We're trying to get you we're trying to get you whacked, Paul. And <laughs> as a rookie of this of this group, I asked our producer Jim if where should where I should sit, and he led oh, me over here. So I have nothing totally to do with that out. decision. Yeah, well, Holmes know. is in on it too. He knows. He knows before you know. So I, I don't he's trust. Kind of the, he's kind of the yeah. Jim is the godfather of the yeah. radio studios. Yeah. I don't. I don't trust anything over there. It's a, we're only on a need to know basis around here on Cardinals Underground. Brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. All right. So there you go. Around the horn we go. Big takeaways. From the news, uh, we were sitting around with our game faces on. Everyone's getting a little tense, a little anxious. There we were, well past the 1 o'clock deadline. Who exactly is going to make the team? And then, of course, there was the big headline regarding a guy who, going into camp, we had pretty much not even penciled in as a starter. I mean, we were using permanent ink. Were we not, Darren Urban? Go ahead and reveal the big reveal regarding cornerback. Well, I mean, at this point, Malcolm Butler is apparently contemplating retirement, and the Cardinals put him on the reserve retired list. And, uh, yeah, that kind of came out of left field in a lot of ways because you're right. I mean, when you talk about him being a starter, I mean, I think we had gotten to the point uh, where we were assuming they're going to have three cornerbacks on the field most of the time, which is what most teams do. That would be Murphy, Alford, and uh, Malcolm Butler. And... Uh, I did notice that it seemed like there were times in camp when Robert Alford wasn't on the COVID list uh, that the when it was just two guys on the field, it was Alford and Murphy. Okay, not that big of a deal, I don't think. Um, but I, 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 something not having Malcolm Butler now, uh, at least is one while we're taping this, and and as of this point, he hasn't been a practice, so I assume he's not going to be a practice all week this week. I mean, does he come back next week? Ironically, uh, when they practice, they're getting ready for his former team, the Tennessee Titans. Does he come back, or is this a real thing? Is he really going to walk away from three plus million dollars? 
this is just kind of stunning to me. I'm not sure exactly what it is, um, but I mean, this is kind of where we sit. And I, I hope when Cliff Kingsbury says that rookie Marco Wilson is more than capable of, of starting and playing a lot, that that's truly the feel. I mean, when I think of Marco Wilson, I kind of think of myself, you know, someone departed from a specific role. And then that's a big jump. there. You know, I slide in and and try to make the most out of of the opportunity. But Kingsbury said, you know, if there's someone on that in that group that's ready for this moment and isn't going to shy away from it, it's Marco Wilson. You know, hey, look, you guys can agree or disagree. And I know you will. When I watched and I was there for every single practice in camp like you guys were as well. If you ask me who was the best corner in camp, forget the names in the back of the jerseys. There are no names in backs of jerseys in camp. So just who was the best corner in camp? Byron Murphy Jr. would be my answer. Would you guys concur with that? I would agree with that. I would agree. The second best corner in camp. In camp. Not in his career. No resume. No preconceived notions. The second best corner in Cardinals camp. Three plus weeks. Marco Wilson. Nice. Uh, that's just me. Look, and, and of course, you know my qualifications as a four-year DB at Leland High School and a guy who stood next to premier cornerbacks for a good 20-plus years on the Cardinals sideline. I do feel qualified to make Standing that statement. Standing next to cornerbacks absolutely right. makes you an expert. I do, I do feel qualified to make that statement. But beyond that, I did talk to a lot of people who said, you know what? You know who had the most consistent camp at cornerback? Marco Wilson. And what did Christian Kirk tell us in the Big Red Rage not less than a week ago? that when it came to Marco Wilson, he didn't get roasted once. He didn't get burnt once. Normally, if you're a rookie especially, you lose, you can lose badly at times. And every single rep for Marco Wilson turned out to be a contested catch. Now, did he prevent every catch? Absolutely not. But he he was right there in the hip pocket of every receiver seemingly every single snap. And you think about the receivers that he's going up against. And Kingsbury mentioned it in his presser today that he never shied away from the competition of the DeAndre Hopkins, the A.J. Greens, the Christian Kirks. He lined up against every single receiver. And coming from the college that he comes back comes from, you know, facing some of the top receivers at LSU, the Bamas, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, he has experience. He's, he's finally in rhythm, I feel, coming off that knee uh, injury that he had two years ago. I feel like that's why he kind of dropped in, in the draft, right? Because he was coming off that knee injury. Teams didn't necessarily know, you know, the type of performance he would put on the field. But I think he's two years removed from that. I think he's prepared for this opportunity. And like myself, he's going to make the most <laughs> out of it. <laughs> I, I, You know, it's funny. And by the way, the drop in the draft was also had something to do with the old Austin Powers. Who throws a shoe? Yeah, that's true. The shoe. Right? I, I, Where's Mike McCarthy, my knee, for I'm the Mojo ha- moment? I'm happy to know that I understood that reference, Paul. But, but I <laughs> Better than the Cowboys room because Mike McCarthy's little motivational mojo went over like a lead balloon to start Cowboys camp on hard knocks. <laughs> my, my guess, though, is that, uh, you know, if one of your top guys is throwing a shoe, no one's going to really care. I no. mean, that's that's the thing. Hey, man, if you're checking A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, you can throw the whole shoe department at Nordstrom's exactly. for all we care, as long as you lock them down. It's funny, when the news came out, and especially the idea that Marco Wilson might be the guy that's trying trying to take these reps from uh, from Butler if he's not around. And, uh, you know, people want to bring up Brandon Williams, and this is a whole different deal. No. I mean, Brandon Williams was a third-round pick, yes, but it was a stretch. He was he, a converted yeah, running back. Yeah, he was back. a converted running back who'd play, what, one year of corner, year. I think? Um, this is a whole different deal. Marco Wilson is a natural cornerback. It's He's a better player. 
Um, He's I, from I, a cornerback family. Yeah, I mean, his older brother is a DB. His father coaches cornerbacks for a living. I mean, and that doesn't automatically mean you're going to be successful in the NFL. But this is not a Brandon Williams situation. It's just not. I mean, you got a guy who walked in at 18 years of age and was a starter as a true freshman at Florida. Started all four years. So look, I'm not crowning him. I'm not proclaiming him. I'm just telling you what we saw in camp. Now, whether our boxers should start bunging in week one when you got a rookie out there against a Julio Jones and an A.J. Brown, okay. But guess what? Julio Jones got virtually no reps in camp. A.J. Brown has been banged up in Titans camp. Ryan Tannehill didn't play a single snap in the preseason. Neither I think did he's Derek still on Henry. the COVID list. He's on, yeah, the quarterback's on the COVID list. The head coach is on the COVID list. So there's going to be a lot of stuff flying around in all directions week one. Uh, see, to me, when we talk about Butler – uh, and we talk about Marco Wilson, I, I think you can have a conversation. You're like, okay, now we're assuming Robert Alford comes back in condition after missing two weeks, but Cliff Kingsbury seems to think, think that's going to happen. But, you know, again, I, I think we're in a position now where it's not so much can Marco Wilson play because we've talked about what he's done in, in training camp, and I think I think he can give you some stuff. And if you have a top three of Murphy and Alford and Wilson, you, you can make that work. The problem right now is, okay, what happens if somebody gets hurt? You know, are you are you going with uh, Luke Barku? Uh, I think Tay Gowan is a guy to me. After watching him in camp and games, um, he feels like a guy that that could end up being this year's Eno Benjamin, where you don't want to cut him because somebody's going to grab him. But I don't know if he's ready to play, and maybe you have him in inactive much of the time so he can learn how to play this game. And that that's where I'm concerned right now is of the of the depth at that position without Malcolm Butler. Do you guys think that, you know, with rosters being cut down, that a veteran cornerback is going to be made available in the next coming days? I mean, I I, I guess... (laughs) Marcus Trufant! Mm, Excuse me. (laughs) Marcus Trufant, who's missed almost all of camp because he's been away from a team. You know, here's the thing. I'm not ruling anything out. Are you going to find somebody better than, for instance, uh, Daryl Worley, who this team just cut? Maybe, maybe not. You know who's still out there? Dre Kirkpatrick. You know, <laughs> I'm just throwing I, it out. I don't know if Dre's coming back. Um, you know, again, if you think Marco Wilson's the guy, you want somebody who can step in and see. I, I think Dre Kirkpatrick's the guy you bring in if you need somebody to play right away. And if they're not going to play him right away, you need a guy that would potentially be, you know, potentially be on special teams. And, and if you really think, oh, Luke Barku can play a little bit, then maybe you just, you're just you getting him ready to, to be that guy. Because at first, you're not going to need him. Because the way they're set up, you're going to have – you have those top three corners, you have Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson, uh, and you're going to use, I think, Isaiah Simmons back there a little bit here and there. So I, mean, I don't think you need somebody if people are healthy. I always, I always think back to Byron Murphy, though, because I remember his rookie season. He kind of got thrown into the fire. Yeah, I did. And then look at him now. I think these reps well, would be valuable to someone like Marco Wilson once you look down down the road and you see his growth throughout, throughout the season, similar to Byron Murphy. Here, here's the rub, is that Byron Murphy ideally is a slot corner, that you would have a Marco Wilson and a Malcolm Butler on the outside, that Byron Murphy at his best – is on the inside. So now, if all of a sudden he's forced to play outside, that's where the trickle-down of losing a Malcolm Butler seemingly would hit this Cardinals defense, at least as originally scripted and envisioned. I guess, but long before Malcolm Butler ended up on the reserve retired list, Byron Murphy's been playing outside a lot. 
He has. When when there's only two cornerbacks on the field, he's out there. Yeah. So they can't feel that uncomfortable with him on the outside. So the question becomes, all right, when they're running three corners out there, which in the past has been quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Now, whether you're going to do that against Tennessee and if they're going to go power personnel with yeah. Derrick Henry, maybe – Maybe the Cardinals are spared in week one and maybe even week two based on the fact that you have a pair of teams with premier running backs, big-time straight-ahead run games, and two, I mean, big-time legit receivers, both the Titans and the Vikings. So maybe you're not going three corners as much because, to your point, if Isaiah Simmons is a guy, now all of a sudden they're going to push off into the slot at times. And look, there were a number of safeties who lost their jobs, and you can't tell me, speaking of trickle-down effects, that wasn't due to Isaiah Simmons' yeah, ability to play I agree. in the slot. And some of this is special team stuff and where guys can fit in. I mean, people are going to talk about Keyshawn Johnson. Part of the Keyshawn Johnson thing was he wasn't going to give you anything besides being a receiver. He just wasn't he wasn't fitting in. He wasn't Trent Sherfield as a special teamer, so it didn't make a lot of sense where Andy Isabella can potentially do some of those things as much as fans are frustrated to hear that. When yeah, you talk about, I was going to just say, when you talk about the cornerback stuff, I mean, I think Byron Murphy's still your slot. If, if your th- top three guys are healthy, your two outside guys are offered to Marco Wilson. Okay. All That's right. what I think is going to happen. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, it's after that. It's to your point. I mean, yeah, that's true. I have a roster here from the 23rd. I have a flip card here from the 24th of August. Uh, Luke Barku's not in either one of these. I had to go to my Saints flip card, which I don't know why I even still have, considering we were midair and we that's, turned around heading back I, to Phoenix. I was going to say, that's a. Uh... That's got to be some kind of collectible, isn't yeah, it? Maybe I can frame it. I'll get Luke Car- Barku to uh, sign this thing, and then I'll frame it up there. Are we, are we the going to talk about our, our experiences in the air? We're going to make this a folktale, by the way. You know there was one guy in the plane who knew before anyone officially knew that the plane had turned around. Do you realize who that was? I, I heard you guys talking about Wallace. i got to be honest. I didn't hear <laughs> yeah. anything. I only knew because Omo pointed it out to me on the icons. Felipe, if I say Vulture 13, do you know who that is? Of course not. That's Wald Ellis, <laughs> longtime radio of engineer. Of course not. Longtime radio engineer, former Vietnam helicopter pilot, and recipient of a Purple Heart. So is that why he was able to tell when the plane made he a sudden move? Based somehow on the elevation and the, or the altitude, based on whether it was even or odd numbers, you can tell if the plane is going west or east. Wait, what? Some crazy formula. Oh my God. And so he walked back and he said, yeah, I was wondering how long it would take you guys to figure it out because if you would have looked at the altitude, you would have known we were going in the opposite direction. <laughs> well, how are we supposed to know that? So anyway, it was uh, it was quite the moment where uh, Walt knew uh, long about soon after the pilots knew, and I don't think anybody else knew. And so there were, where were we? Somewhere between Waco and Houston, if yeah. I had it right on the map. East Texas somewhere. So somewhere uh, two hours out or so. Two hours away from Phoenix, an hour about or so yeah, away from Yeah, we were more than halfway, for sure. And, uh, and they had already moved the kickoff uh, earlier, so it would have been a more early morning for, for most of us getting up and going over to the yeah. game. And, uh, and then news broke, and uh, it obviously made a lot of sense when you're evacuating the city. All of a sudden, not only does a preseason game become more meaningless than ever, but those folks who are having to work the preseason game in the New Orleans metro area had a lot far bigger concerns to deal with, like yeah. as in how do we evacuate our own families? And the players were in that boat as well. Yeah, it, it's just it was just so strange. And, and because we don't have Internet on that particular plane, um, you know, I was joking with people that, you know, my family – which is true after I talked, my family knew that I was coming back before I did because, you know, the, once the game is canceled, they realize I'm probably going to come back. And we didn't know the game was canceled. 
you know. So you had your birthday celebration instead that weekend. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> what happened. Yeah. So it became a forty-eight hour bender. We're recording for Darren this Urban. on Larry Fitzgerald's birthday. Oh, that is right. And yeah. Darren, Darren Urban's yeah, birthday as well. Don't birthday. slight yourself, Darren. Come on now. Insane. Do you guys? You come on. You guys traded a text message just like Christian Kirk traded a text message I tw- with. I tweeted Larry at him. I noticed he did not get back to me. I I, I wasn't going to bother him with a text. When message. he's done with his uh, thirty-six holes, he'll get around to uh, getting back to you on that Possibly. one. So. So, uh, by the way, Felipe, do you consider the fact that the Cardinals only had two preseason games compared to the fact the Titans had three preseason games and they had a week-long joint practice with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defending Super Bowl champions, factor or not a factor, real or not real, as you try and decide whether that's that's an advantage or not, week one at Tennessee? Um, I would say no, just because uh, obviously Ryan Tannehill is still on the COVID list, so he hasn't been practicing. A.J. Green has been banged up. Julio Jones hasn't seen the field uh, all throughout preseason. and So that's not an advantage. I think the Cardinals team is, uh, between the two, they have the advantage, you know, because for the most part, they've all been intact, you know, from on both sides of the ball. Obviously, J.J. Watt returned later on in, in training camp. So... I did feel for guys like Greg Dortch and the Eno Benjamins, obviously he made the roster and the Jonathan Wards and all that, because I feel like that preseason game, that last the preseason finale against the Saints, was going to be pretty pivotal for guys like that. And so I always, always, my mind always goes back to those type of players. But in terms of whoever's going to have an advantage, I mean, both teams have a four-day weekend, yeah. mandatory weekend. Yeah. You know, they all have a clean slate. So those guys are going to be able to return from the COVID list. Guys are going to be able to get healthy again. So there's no advantage. I don't want to hear that, you know, come week one. I don't want to hear people be right. like, oh, well, the Titans didn't yeah. have so-and-so and, and so forth. Like, no, it's a clean slate. It's, it's week one. The NFL season is here. So I'm pretty hyped. And look, it was going to be third and fourth stringers playing at yep. New Orleans anyway. And Cliff Kingsbury confirmed it would have been Chris Streveler, four quarters of Chris Streveler with Colt McCoy dressed just in case in an emergency capacity. And by the way, one of my big takeaways, even though Cliff Kingsbury hinted heavily, is that they stayed with three quarterbacks. Yeah. Chris Trevler barely saw the field a year ago, obviously. And then when he got in in week 17, it didn't go so well. And yet he's still on the roster. As much as we love Strev and mandatory Strevler, it is surprising to me that they kept a coveted roster spot for that number three quarterback. Here's why it does not surprise me as much is because of COVID. And I know you could probably get him onto the practice squad and then he'd be around and you could bring him up. But I think the reality is, is that the, with how quick everything can happen and how you could lose a guy immediately. I mean, if you wake up on a Sunday, which you at that point you can't pull a guy up on from the practice squad, and Kyler Murray, God forbid, or Colt McCoy has tested positive and can't play, you, you're going to really hope you have that extra quarterback on the roster. And considering the quarterbacks hang out in the same room and spend lots of hours together, all of a sudden you could be the Denver Broncos reprised, right? Where the Denver Broncos were without three or four quarterbacks and they were forced to use a former college quarterback who was like a four-string receiver in a game last year. Maybe they can use Chase Edmonds as an emergency quarterback, (laughs) as we saw in in the latest episode of Flight Plan. You you never know. Anything can happen. By the way, he was, likes to believe that, I'm right. sure. With no game on Saturday, JJ Watt. I was catching up on episodes of Cardinals Flight Plan, the last two in particular, and the sister in law, who knows not up her sports, and I'll tweet about some of her comments occasionally. And uh, she was over and she asked a series of questions, including the following. I want you guys to answer the following question. 
from uh, the sister-in-law. And that's fine. You know, she doesn't know a football from a foosball. Doesn't matter. Okay, that's great. No worries. But here was her question. I really didn't know how to answer this. Hey, Paul, what's the most dangerous position in football? The most dangerous position in football. Most dangerous. That's a great question. I mean... Nose tackle? No, see, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say nose. Most dangerous. See, I don't see that as dangerous. I mean, I think you could get hurt when you're in the trenches more often because of where your knees are and everything. But when you talk about dangerous, like when I think of dangerous, I think of like severe injury. Severe injury. And I would think I I'm thinking wide receiver a lot of time because you can get your head torn off at any moment. You know, and that's I went that initially, and then I said kick returner. How about kick returner? No, not anymore. No, not anymore. Not anymore. Or maybe there's the... no kick returns. <laughs> What's it take to take a knee? Is that what you're saying? Touchbacks are not dangerous. I can do this all day. That's right. They'll give you life insurance all day, every day, if you're just going to have a touchback and just take a knee in the end zone. I so. would say the kicker though, because yeah. you know when they kick it off and you try to go tackle the the kick returner and then <laughs> right. you get blindsided out of nowhere by a 39 year old the most Matt Prater, the pencil neck. He's at serious <laughs> risk trying to make an open field tackle. I love you, Matt. The most dangerous, uh. the most dangerous position in football is is uh, only viewed through the prism of whoever that guy's parents is. <laughs> That's right. If my if you yeah. if your mom and you and your son's playing kicker, it's kicker. If your mom <laughs> yeah. and your son's playing tight end, it's tight end. Long snapper. Uh, any, Aaron any Brewer. Position? No, not long snapper. <laughs> By the way, I, I I love Aaron Brewer. I consider him a friend. He's a really good dude. But when he sh- when he's in training camp and, and long snappers are there and he and he comes around, and he's got that mustache he wears and he comes in early in the morning and sometimes he's got the sunglasses on and the hair is a little bit out of place and he wears those Hawaiian <laughs> shirts I'm like dude you you like you walk straight out of a TV series of the 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 PI that has passed his prime and went out drinking too late last night and and now you're <laughs> You're trying to figure out what to do the next morning. I swear to God, every time I need to tell him that because every time I see him, I'm like, you totally look right out of a TV series. It's funny that you mentioned that because my brothers and I, we always, you know, kid around and we ask each other, if you were a a player in the NFL, what position would you play? And I think your story just validated my (laughs) answer. I would be a long snapper because one, I get paid well. I don't get that (laughs) injured. I'm not in risk of getting injured. So thank you, Darren, for sure. Yeah, if, he, if, if he got some flow going out the back of his helmet, he'd be a dead ringer for Big Lebowski. Is that what you're saying? Sort of the, uh, you know, this aggression will you, not you, stand, you, man. You could, but you know, I, he's, like he's not, I, no? I, don't, I don't see him as being that super laid back guy, although Aaron is pretty laid back. I just see him as like that guy like, okay, you know, the, the, the woman just came into my office yesterday. I got to get pictures of, his, of her husband at the motel with his, her his side piece and, i don't know you and, give him a white russian it could be the dude and we'll have to see about that uh so you have the <laughs> i didn't mean to th- throw just, you paul no i'm saying so ryan winslow didn't make it all right the specialists no. were never in danger no they were not uh there was real and i know there was a lot of chatter even talking internally with some of the personnel people hey we might go with five receivers we might just do it who believes that i, I never believed that for a there was a hot moment, though, when after Keyshawn Johnson was released, and you're wondering, five, or is that extra receiver slot for a guy named Larry Fitzgerald? Oh, goodness gracious. There was a lot of that chatter out there. We won't dignify that. We'll move He's on. He's 38 on. today. 
Uh, as good as Greg Dortch looked in this camp, and I think we're all in agreement, right? Are we all nodding? Uh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Uh, they needed the size, did they not, Felipe? I of mean, course. you know, fine diminutive American Greg Dortch over there. I mean, I love him, you know. I, but but when you have a six foot three, six foot four option in Antoine Wesley, I'm guessing that was the difference, the size difference. Are we gonna forget that I called this last week? <laughs> you guys are acting I, like I, I didn't. I, when mention he, when this. he made it, I did start to think to myself, I was pretty hard on Wesley not making the team, and and Felipe. Was you trying. were so assured. But well, let, let, hey, this is gonna post. And and we're gonna have it on record, and we'll you know we'll see what happens when they bring back Pew and Alford, who the person is that isn't. And I'm not saying it's gonna be Wesley, um, because I do think he's done a lot of really good things, or, or, and that he deserves it. But he is one mm-hmm. of those guys that I'm thinking, okay, mm-hmm. when you start talking about who's that extra person or two, if you pick up somebody on waivers. It might be Antoine Wesley. Could it be the third tight end, Demetrius Harris? Are you saying he could be in the crosshairs? Could it be that last corner, the rookie, Tay Gowan? Are you saying I that? See, I don't think it's going to be Gowan because, again, whenever he gets cut, I'm afraid he, somebody, somebody will pick will him up, which is, what, him up. Just which is why the they never did anything like that with Benjamin last year. Okay. I'm thinking you know, maybe Michael Dogby, who's probably the seventh defensive lineman, although with Jordan Phillips just trying to get back into it, I don't know about that. Um you know, I'm trying to think of some of the other people. Wesley might be somebody. Uh, I have to look at the linemen, but I think then they end up only going with they went with eight, eight, eight linemen. Only eight, eight, and Sean Harlow did not make it. Okay, so then it's not going to be a lineman, obviously. So yeah, that's we're probably we're probably honing in pretty hard on who the possibilities are, whether it would be Harris uh, or Dogby or Wesley. Uh, I don't, I don't think it would be Barku. Uh, not with your situation now, cornerback, and who? Do, what do they got? Four safeties now. They do have four safeties. Yep. And but but one of them is Washington, who's a special teams guy. So I think we've probably nailed down like who these possibilities are, or maybe Jonathan Ward, maybe. If well, you want to. One of the questions that you know I was thinking about is, you know, Antoine Wesley only played one preseason game. He was hurt for about a week during camp. He obviously didn't play in that preseason finale. What did he show? that you know regardless of how much he played or missing a week in camp what did he show for Kingsbury to say you know what we're going to keep you on for now obviously. well I mean one of the things that one of the things Wesley did was when AJ Green went down early in camp he was the one of the first people to step in and he got a lot of snaps and I thought he looked pretty good doing that he had the near catch in the one preseason game couldn't quite hold on to it but the play itself was pretty nice uh, and, and again, I think it goes back to what Paul said. Well, there's two things. One, um, he gives you size. And this is that's something that this team needs. And if something happens to Hopkins and or Green, it, you don't want to have a bunch of smaller receivers. And once you decide Keyshawn's not your guy, then obviously Wesley moves ahead of him. The other thing, which I don't think you can push aside too hard, this is a guy Cliff Kingsbury knows well. He played at Texas Tech. Uh, they're close. I remember talking to Antoine Wesley at the combine, not knowing he was eventually going to come to the Cardinals, but I was doing a big piece on Cliff Kingsbury in 2019 and nobody was talking to Antoine Wesley when he came in through the interview. So I was able to get off some questions and he, he talked about when he got hurt in college and I'm trying to remember what it was. I can't remember if it was a leg injury or uh, abdomen injury. There was something where he ended up in the hospital and he was talking about how much it meant to him when Cliff Kingsbury showed up at the hospital uh, while he was going through this and saying, you know, don't worry about anything. You're going to be okay. And when you come back, your spot's there and all this stuff. And, you know, he he is a big 
Cliff Kingsbury fan, as he told me at the time, and I, and I just feel like that that also plays into it. Here's a guy who Cliff knows and is confident in, and when he starts making plays, that that's one way you you end up on a team. And it helps that, well, if you guys didn't know, he was staying with Kyler Murray at the beginning of camp, like the first couple of weeks. So if you have your quarterback's you mm. know, confidence, well, plus, and it's plus your coach, I think that, that says a lot about the talent that he is. It's funny that you say that, too, because a lot of people thought one of the things that Keyshawn had going for him was that he was close with Kyler, which he was. They were part of that same draft class. But, you know, if Kyler has gotten a relationship with Wesley, that can't hurt. By the way, um, I, I look at Wesley and I see that as evidence that practice does matter. That when Cliff Kingsbury says that Kyler Murray is ready to go, that's based on what he has seen in practice, not the nine snaps, not the trio of three and outs and the negative one total yards. It's what he's seen at practice. And in practice, Antoine Mes- Wesley made a lot of plays. And and he was a dog. I mean, he, he's supposedly a really good guy off the field. You guys know him probably a lot better than I do off the field. But on the field, he competed. I mean, he was trading a lot of trash talk with Robert Alford. He was hand-fighting guys. He was making catches in the red zone. The size was a factor. And when you have a lot of smaller guys out there, uh, there's no doubt that moved the meter with all the coaches. And I think it's a big difference with this Cardinals offense this year. When they get into the red zone and they have the addition of a Rondale Moore, smaller guy, but you have a six foot four AJ Green who has looked superb in camp. You have a James Conner, two thirty plus. It's just a different Cardinals offense in the red zone. And then if you're able if you're gonna go ten personnel in the red zone, Antoine Wesley, I bet's gonna be out there. And, and and Cliff Kingsbury is one of those rare coaches who will who will spread it out in the red zone in the NFL. And I remember Cliff Kingsbury's first year with the Cardinals. He was running a lot of 10 personnel in the first couple of weeks of the season. And he didn't necessarily have the, the roster to execute that at a high level. So he went away from that last year. He ran a lot of 12 personnel. But I think this year, more than any of, any of his other seasons, he finally has a talent to run a 10 personnel. Because you have Ronda Moore, Moore, you have Christian Kirk, obviously A.J. Green, and D-Hop. So when, you, when, when it comes to the red zone, Man, this offense has the potential to be one of the top five offenses offenses in the red zone. With, but here's here's my question, and, and I'm, because I know uh, long before you joined us, Felipe, you know, back when uh, Paul and Kyle would throw down, um, you know, I, I think Paul was leaning more, especially once they signed James Conner, that maybe they'd get a little bit more physical with their offense and that kind of stuff, and maybe get away from ten personnel. Kyle was very much like, I think they're going to move back towards. 10 personnel because they have the people i i lean a little bit more towards that the, the question is is when you get into that red zone when you get inside the 10 yard line are you running a still a bunch of shotgun with four wide receivers that's there's a there's a lot of people out there that get really leery about that because it is harder to convert uh in that smaller area and you know guys are coming in and you know i am curious to know how that unfolds and we don't really know exactly how it's going to be used this year because we didn't see much in the preseason. And I'm not saying I'm in favor of it. I'm just saying that the head coach might be apt to use it. And if he does, he is definitely better equipped than 2019, to your point, Felipe, when week two at Baltimore, three times they got inside the five. And they're denied every time. They had to settle for field goals. And a lot of that spread stuff at the time just wasn't effective, especially against a hard-hitting, physical 
Baltimore Ravens defense that was manhandling receivers off the line. And not not just the Ravens. I mean, last year against the Patriots, do you guys remember yeah. when Kenyon Drake fell to score on the yeah. at the right one year half? Yep. Exactly. So, and I always when they drafted Rondo Moore, the question always popped up in my head: Will they use a lot of pre-snap motion? Would they, you know, pre-snap motion combined with some play yes. action with with the read option? Now that they have someone like Rondo Moore. Sure. I absolutely. I hope so. Yeah. No, I, I abs. The most staggering stat from a year ago is the Cardinals were dead last in the NFL in pre snap motion. It's, it's astounding, isn't it? When you think of Cliff Kingsbury and his sort of offense, but with Andy Isabella not being a reliable component of that offense, it took away a lot of the pre snap motion, I, I would presume. Kyle Shanahan and Niners were number one in that category. That's not a surprise. But the Cardinals being dead last, that's a shocker to me, and I do not expect that to happen again this year. Not, not at all. As I, uh, for whatever reason, just turned off my mic as yeah, I, I reach as I reach for my phone and somehow turned off my mic. So there, there. Uh, that's the last. See, that's the last. Uh, it's still August, right? That's the last August mistake that's going to be permitted <laughs> around here. It's like, right, once it again, the it's the purge. Things. It's the purge. So I can just throw that out. That's one of those things that can just be discounted because the preseason, once we hit September, is officially done with. As I segue to the following question and try and save my own keister, which is blowing in the wind right now. <laughs> the player you are most excited to see in a game, that counts, that was not here in 2020, Darren Urban, a player who was not here last year, whether it's a rookie, a veteran, a newcomer, you are most excited and eager to see in a game is... I'm going to go with a low-hanging fruit. I'm sorry. But J.J. Watt, you know, now now that he's back healthy, um, I, 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 I'm I dying to know not only to see him play, but how they deploy him. Um, I, I think this is a team that I want to see more push in the pocket, but I do think that J.J. is going to get some snaps from coming from the outside, and I think they're going to move him around a little bit, just like he always has in his career. And I'm, I'm really excited. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a long list there. But I know you two have to take your turns, and I guess I'm going to have to let you do that. So I'm going to go J.J. Watt and let everybody else for you guys. Right. There you go. There you go. You're up, Felipe. What do you think? I kind of touched on it already, but I'm going to go with Rondo more because, like I said, Cliff Kingsbury finally has the roster and the talent in that wide receiver group to run some 10 personnel. But when you have A.J. Green talking about how more catches passes like he's a 6'4 wide receiver on the outside – you know, that gives me confidence. I mean, he led Purdue in, in receptions per game last year. So, and, and to your point, last year when the Cardinals ran uh, some pre-snap motions combined with play action, which was only 15, 59 attempts, they had a 54% success rate. So that goes to tell you that now that he has a, the pieces on the offensive, offensive side, Cliff Kingsbury, um, you might see a lot, of, a lot more 10 personnel now that you have guys like A.J. Green, Rondo Moore. Hopefully Andy Isabella is a little bit more acclimated to that offense. So Rondo Moore is my pick. See, the consultants would say never agree. Always go a different direction, try and you know, keep yeah. this thing going. But uh, honestly, in the trust tree, I would go with Rondale Moore as well. Wow. And here's why. Here's why. Because the players are talking about Rondale Moore. I was talking with a veteran. And well, wait, this is the person you want to see the most, and it's because right. the players are talking about. I'm not saying who's going to have the biggest impact. <laughs> I, say I want to see who you want to see because I, I am the most intrigued by Rondale Moore Got based it. on the buzz among players. Because we all know the hashtag "players know players," and they're talking about Rondale Moore. One guy said, "Hey, that kid's only scratching the surface." A week later, I'm talking to a veteran player, and he walked by Rondale Moore, and he literally stopped what he was saying. And once Rondale Moore walked past it. <laughs> 
that kid's going to be good. And so he has the other players. Now, if you, in terms of sheer impact and who's going to be the most vital to the Arizona Cardinals in week one, I don't think there's any denying Zayvon Collins is that guy. But again, the question is, who do you right. want to see? Not who the right. most impactful is. <laughs> right. Not who, who do you the players want to see. Want to see. Right. Right. Paul, I'm trying well, to put this on your plate, and you're right. like going on this other tangent. No, and, I'm, and I'm you're saying, on the sideline, Paul. Just sheer seeing someone. But if you want to see the importance, it depends how you define no, no, no. The new it depends on how Paul Calvisi <laughs> defines it because it's who Paul <laughs> wants to see. Right. So You're, it's okay if you say Rondell Moore, but don't have all yeah. these. Di- you know, just say this no, is who I want to see. Rondell Moore is my guy. All right. Okay. Ron- but that's just from a sheer highlight. They can the offense can get by without him. The pa- defense can't get by without Zayvon Collins. It doesn't matter. Zayvon Collins so, doesn't count because you already picked okay. Rondell Moore. And Paul, okay. going to your point that when you that you stand on the sideline, so that goes to your credentials. Sure. So when you stand next to Rondell Moore, do you guys see eye to eye or? You know, uh, it's pretty close. I'd rather stand next to Greg Dortch. That's more of a. <laughs> you know, that's 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 more. Of my, I, I'd be really certain about Greg Dortch. Rondell Moore might be a little close. Uh, as for the guy you're most excited to see in a game, and I'm going to let Darren cool down a little bit yeah, here, Felipe, so I'm Jeez. going to you first. Uh, the guy you're most excited to see in a game that counts that was here last year. Who Chris, is that guy? Christian Kirk for me. I mean, mm. he was the second most targeted player last year, led the team in receiving touchdowns with six. Yes, he led the team in receiving touchdowns with six. DeAndre Hopkins only had five. He had the second most red zone targets. You know, he's in a contract year. He has that chip in your shoulder, in his shoulder, on his shoulder, I should say. And he's a hometown guy. You know, you talked about it today in his press conference that, you know, there's some territory that com- comes with being the hometown guy and he's again he he's in his contract year you know he's improved every single season hopefully he stays healthy because if he stays healthy and you have guys like AJ Green, Ronda Moore and DeAndre Hopkins in that same receiver group then that just opens up so much more opportunity for someone like Christian Kirk so hopefully he capitalizes on the fact that maybe Fitzgerald doesn't come back so that means you know more opportunity for him and having the flex that versatility in that wide receiver group, so Christian Kirk is my guy. All right, you're you're next, Paul. I mean, I'm, okay. I'm you not, need a little more time yeah. in the cooling no, off no, room. No, I'm just okay. saying. I okay. want you to, but but again, okay. So you want Paul Calbisi? <laughs> right. Who does Paul Calbisi want to see? Chandler Jones. Okay, I'm going Chandler Jones. He, he looks great. The weight is down. He's obviously got to be motivated. Uh, sources close to Chandler say that he feels, quote, unstoppable right now. Okay, not exactly sure why he was out for an extended period of time. What was? Was there anything given as to why? None. Mm-hmm. Zero. Although okay. it's funny when you say unstoppable because I, you hear him saying that all the time. So are you saying, so is, <laughs> did you just overhear him saying that? Sources very close <laughs> okay. to Chandler Jones. You can take that I can hear the him way saying you want it in it. my head. It's a good investigative reporter there, Darren, Thank digging a little deeper much. with a follow-up question Appreciate as to ascertain it. the nature that. of the source exactly so uh Chandler Jones uh yes very intrigued especially now that he has company along that defensive front to your point about 99 what exactly is that going to look like and how will it benefit uh those guys going after the quarterback I like that one Chandler Jones is and and it is very intriguing I you know I I know it's easy to say but with everything that's happened in camp I'm going to go with the quarterback because there's been so much said about Kyler Murray and should he be playing in the preseason and what kind of camp did he really have and how did he look? And he did look like he, to me, he started out a little slower but got and got better, which 
is kind of what camp is for. Like, I don't have a problem with him having a slow start to camp because that's the whole point. You haven't been practicing all offseason for the most part, and then you come into camp, you should be slower at first comparatively. If you're really good at the beginning, I'm wondering a little. Um, and so, but him talking about how he didn't really want preseason games and he only had the three series and they didn't go well. I don't think ultimately that there is a, a straight line between him not playing well against the Chiefs and what happens the first week. But the spotlight is going to be intense on him when, when they open the season in Tennessee. Because we all know if he struggles or this offense struggles, everybody's going to say, see, you should have played the full all three preseason games. And even once they canceled New Orleans, you should have played the Saints on your own <laughs> because you should have had those snaps. We all know that that's what the argument's going to be. So I think – I think there's a little bit of pressure there as he comes in and he is in his third year. And this team does rely so much on not only what he does because he's the quarterback, but on on what they're going to need from him to make the kind of push that, you know, he's expected to play. I heard DeAndre Hopkins yelling at me and Mike Jarecki today as we came off the practice field. He goes, I, how many, how many, what are you guys predicting? How many wins are we going to get? And that's, that's a great question. <laughs> Because I think a lot of it will go back to the quarterback and how well he really plays and whether getting all these weapons and getting Cliff Kingsbury into his third year of play calling, how much of that makes a difference. You know, if you're to recap what we heard about Kyler Murray over the course of August, we had a couple of players going on the record saying he has better arm strength, better zip, better velocity on the football. We heard that on the record. Uh, It was... I think it was Buda Baker in the Pash Pod, or maybe it was Chase Edmonds, uh, and maybe both. And then Christian Kirk confirmed that on the Big Red Rage about the arm strength. So there's that. And then it was Christian Kirk who just recently shared with the media that Kyler is more apt to send video clips from some of the film work, and specific video clips to specific receivers and weapons on the team and say, hey, you know what? Think about doing it this way, or this looks good, or why don't we try this? So that seems to be encouraging that this evolution of Kyler as a team leader. How many times has Cliff Kingsbury said this offseason and during this Cardinals camp that it's his team now? He feels like it's his team, whether that's because he's in year three and or because of the departure of an absolute team leader like a Larry Fitzgerald. There's no question whose offense and whose team it is now. So these are all factors that go beyond just the talent. Beyond just the marketing moniker we threw out there, come for the arms, stay for the legs. These are all the other elements that make you a franchise quarterback, that make you a winning quarterback. When I hear Kyler say in that interview, I think it was with ESPN, that we started feeling ourselves after that 6-3 and three start. And guess what? Maybe some of the attention to detail waned. It sounds like. It sounds like there was a lesson learned last year. So, to me, that's encouraging if you're – in that locker room that starting with the quarterback, everybody has learned, okay, every single rep of every regular season game matters. This isn't the NBA where you can have an off night and it doesn't matter. I feel like the reason that this team underperformed, so to speak, in the in the second half of the regular season last year was because there might have been a, a lack of leadership. I feel like Kyler Murray self-evaluated over the offseason and and told himself, you know what, for this team to be successful successful in the second half of the season, I am going to have to be a leader. I am going to have to take those steps and take control of the team because, I mean, you guys know better than anyone covering the, the NFL for years and years and decades and decades. And all right, <laughs> all right. That, that to be successful towards the end of the season and into the postseason, you have to have good leadership. And I feel like 
Kyler Murray is taking a, a step into that direction. Hopefully he maintains it throughout the entire season. But, you know, it's, it's a positive step for the Arizona Cardinals. Well, if it's not Kyler, obviously it could be Cam Newton. <laughs> Did you see when Cam Newton was released? How many of these, I don't even know what you call them. They're not national publications. I don't know if they're blogs, but there was at least a half dozen to a 10 outlets, NFL outlets, that had the Cardinals as a top five or top three destination for Cam Newton. I mean, no, no, and more no. Are you kidding me? Not to mention the Cardinals got a firsthand look at Cam Newton a year ago with his Sub-30 passer rating in New England. He was horrific last year, even though the Cardinals figured out a way to lose that game, which was probably the most vexing aspect of that loss in New England is that Cam Newton was terrible. Yeah. You know, it, look, the reality is is that Cam Newton is not vaccinated, and a lot of people think that that's a possible reason that he's no longer in New England, and it's going to be tough for him just to get back into a building because he's got to have a five-day waiting period just to – to wow. get to any places and you know I, I know I read one Dallas writer who said Cam Newton would be a great backup for Dak Prescott but there's no way you can take that risk with him unvaccinated right now so I mean that's that's a reality but there are Vegas odds out as to the likelihood of where he might go Pittsburgh mm -hmm. is number one the most likely the mm -hmm. Cardinals are eighth according to official Vegas odds you can wager on where Cam Newton is yeah, headed what, next. What are the where's teams Washington? Ahead of him? Yeah, well, yeah, where's Washington? What are the teams ahead of him? Do you have one? Uh, I do not. I do oh, not have on. one through eight. I'm sorry. That's I do not right. have one through eight. Dallas is number two, though. Dallas is tied for number two. Okay. I'm just. Pittsburgh. I was just curious, but you know, the Cam Newton thing is really, really interesting. Now, it may have nothing to do with vaccinations. It may have everything to do with. All right, we are. We have Brian Hoyer, although I think they officially could, cut yeah, Brian Hoyer, cut but they're going to bring him right back because he's not going anywhere else. They know they can have a handshake deal under the table, and then this way they can get a guy who's hurt onto the regular roster and then put him on IR in two days and then bring back Hoyer. So they're going to have Brian Hoyer as their backup. Okay, so you just feel like, okay, we're going to move on. We're going to have Brian Hoyer, the, the, the guy who knows how to be a backup as our backup and then you don't have any pressure on Mac Jones in terms of okay now that he's got the job we're not going to have this you know in your face that there's a guy on the bench that if things go bad we're going to throw him out there and I, I in a lot of ways I do like that idea because it's 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 tough for a young quarterback knowing that it's over the shoulder a little bit in my opinion and besides yeah you can't have a Cam Newton in the risk of that locker room being divided into factions between no. those who want the rookie quarterback right. and those who want that's the established former MVP. You just, yeah, that, that's, it, that's what I would think. That, 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 it makes no sense here for the Cardinals yeah. though. I mean, I think, no. I think it's been proven that Colt McCoy, first of all, Colt McCoy has been better in camp Felipe than I thought he was going to be. So I've been impressed with him and he's like the perfect backup guy. And you know, Cam Newton's not coming in to be a third guy. I feel like they just mentioned Cam Newton because of the similar play styles between Kyler Murray so and Cam lazy, Newton. Though. And I, I feel like that's typical, you know, like to your point, that is pretty lazy. But I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if he goes back well, goes back to his coach, Ron Rivera, from his time with the Panthers. Yeah, and, except yeah. my first thought, and again, I don't want to turn this into a COVID thing, but Ron Rivera oh, yep. has had cancer <laughs> and he talk he gets mad at his players that don't get vaccinated. He's not bringing in no matter how much he loves. Maybe Cam that Newton. convinces Cam. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Hasn't so, Mike Zimmer hasn't convinced uh, Kirk Cousins yet. <laughs> <laughs> They're not that close, you know. Yeah. Uh, so what what's left here? Is there a concern? You're gonna go. Everyone's gonna go into the Labor Day weekend, and okay, and there you know, 
mandatory four days off and you got your barbecues lined up, maybe an out of town trip, maybe it's a staycation, none of the above, whatever, but there's going to be something perhaps that keeps you up at night. You wake up at three in the morning and there's something on your mind with this team. What would that be? What's the biggest concern? What do you think has Cliff Kingsbury getting up even earlier than his typical 345 wake-up call and wondering about this team? What do I think would keep Cliff up, or yeah. what do I think should well, keep Let's Cliff think of it through the, the eyes of the head coach. What, what should be most potentially vexing right now or concerning between now and September 12th, if you're the head coach, beyond just another COVID outbreak, which is totally yeah. beyond his realm? I mean, honestly, if I'm thinking that, and I don't know the man that well because you just don't get inside his head real easily – but it, I would think it would be, can my two young inside linebackers hold up on a defense, especially now that we're, we just got a little younger at cornerback, can they hold up? You know, I think I got a pretty decent defensive line. I think my secondary can be okay. Can those guys hold up? That, are, that's what I would yeah. think. They, now, now if, if, if you were saying, what do I think he should? I mean, my first thought would be, hey, this offense better freaking click. But I don't think he's going to think like that. I think he's pretty confident in the offense. And you know what? The Titans have had the whole offseason to figure out a way how to exploit a rookie middle linebacker and an inexperienced fellow inside linebacker. And for that reason, I expect to see a lot of Jordan Hicks in Tennessee. I, I really do. And now especially with maybe your numbers situation at corner and Isaiah Simmons better suited you know, into the slot, perhaps, but... If, if yeah, it, if I'm a head coach, I'm wondering, oh boy, what do the Titans have in store for my two young inside linebackers? So you with might, me then? I would agree with you yeah. on that, yeah. What would keep me up at night if I was Felipe Kingsbury? Um, I thought you were Felipe Collins. I mean, Felipe Wilson. Okay. Now, Michael Wilson. Or, All right. Anyway, if, if I'm thinking about that week one matchup, and um, obviously they have the top, if not the top, the best running back in the NFL in Derrick Henry. I'm thinking about how that defensive line is going to be looking come week one because they haven't necessarily been on the field at the same yeah. time. Jordan Montreal Phillips Camp, is a good one. Jordan Phillips, obviously Chandler Jones has miss a, missed a good chunk of training camp along with J.J. Watt. So the cohesiveness, the cohesiveness of that defensive line would keep me up because you're facing the top running back in the NFL. And you have, and your defensive line hasn't seen the field at the same yeah. time all throughout camp. So. so here's my question, guys. We just got through sitting here saying we both, because me and Paul are on the same thing, and you stayed on the defensive side of the ball. So that's the question. Maybe it's something I got to ask Cliff Kingsbury at some point in, in a press conference because I'm curious. Like, as a guy with an offensive background, does he worry more about the offense because he's around it more and he knows all the intricate details or does he worry more about the defense because he doesn't have control over it yeah it's a great question i no, think i'm gonna it, ask no, him that question no, tomorrow i'll be right it behind really you is, and yeah. make sure you ask that if you forget i'll make sure Slap to tap in you in yeah. <laughs> but you know, your ear. it is a defense that finished in the bottom third in run d yeah a year ago so to felipe's point absolutely the the risk is real of being exploited by uh, Derek Henry in that that run game, there, there's no doubt about it. On the other hand, your your standout left tackle Taylor Luan is coming off a torn ACL, and he only had a few snaps. So good luck with Chandler Jones, especially if JJ Watt is lined up next to him. I just want to point out that Paul has agreed with me twice on this segment on this podcast. 
Well, it's because Darren it's, got a little snippy earlier. So oh, I'm you just, cooled I'm, off. Yeah, I'm ganging up on I Darren. That's what we're doing. For, right for now. those that can't Paul see, Paul just can't listen. For those, for those that can't see right now, there's a lot of tension going on between Darren and Paul. They're sitting right next to each other. Well, I got, know. I got half an eye on Darren because I'm not sure what's coming, <laughs> and then I got half an eye on the doorway in case the Turk comes in here asking for my headset. So you know, you never know what's around the corner. I will say that on paper, on paper now, the D line, JJ Watt, Zach Allen. Jordan Phillips, Lecky Fotu, Rashard Lawrence, Corey Peters, and Vance Joseph is a guy. Michael who, Dogby. Michael Dogby, absolutely. And by the way, if Dogby does get cut, it will he will sign to somebody's 53 in an instant. You think? Oh, I think so. I really do. And so I'm a big fan of Michael Dogby. And a lot of guys, uh, he's a guy who's been under the radar and really had a great offseason and has been much better this year and so far in camp. So I'm not surprised at all that – he actually made this this team. Now, whether he dresses on game day, we'll see. What I do expect are six defense alignment out there, at least five, and they're going to be coming in waves. And if J.J. Watt is not playing over 1,000 snaps like he did last year, guess what? I think we're all intrigued to see that. <laughs> and he admitted it might be tough. You might have to tell him, okay, guess what? You're sitting out this series, and he might not like it, but long-term it's best for him, and it might turn in, him into a really productive guy against the run. We'll see. Yeah. You know? So, Good point. Uh, I'm just glad nobody came through the door and whacked you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Okay, well, uh, what is the – real quick, where do they go from here in terms of the procedures and the processes – they can start signing guys to the practice squad effective Wednesday, September first. Is that yeah, how that I mean, works? We're, we're gonna—they're gonna have their practice squad. I mean, I am hoping that all you people out there uh, grab this up Tuesday afternoon as soon as it's posted and listen to it right away. But there's a very good possibility you could be listening to it and they already have a practice squad. So, but yeah, they'll—they'll they'll have the one cool thing about how there's no fourth preseason game this year. Uh, and that they can kind of adjust everything. I mean, in the past, you'd have that last preseason game on a Thursday. You'd have final cuts due Saturday. They'd have to do practice squad Sunday. And Monday was still a big scramble. Right now, uh, these teams will be done with practice. I mean, the, the Cardinals will fin be finished practice Wednesday morning. Um, and then they'll have put their practice squad together. So by the time they get their bonus practice on Labor Day, uh, they'll, have their, they'll have their entire roster together. So that'll be good. Because there was a moment in there when the Cardinals had five receivers after releasing Keyshawn Johnson before the final 53 came out, and there was all this Larry Fitzgerald content coming out on NFL.com. And at the NFL Twitter handle, I'm like, wait a minute, what do they know? Is this foreshadowing here? What exactly? And then I realized it's Larry and Darren's birthday, yes. and that was that was the cause and effect right there. Yeah. So, Felipe, uh, I think you joined me in wishing Darren a very happy birthday. Happy birthday, Darren. Thank you so Happy much. Happy 30th birthday, Darren Irvin. <laughs> Thank you so much. You get younger by the day. Uh, yeah. I don't know. And then uh, this whole 18 to 34 demo, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, it's not sure it was, uh, you know, the, the manners around here. You no know? cap, baby. See, no yeah, cap. Yeah, exactly. No cap. That'll do it for this edition of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals.